You're listening to episode four of the We Got the Runs podcast. In today's episode, we'll talk about the Boston Marathon and we'll talk to Vince Varello, who's the founder of the Boston Buddies Run Club. Welcome to the We Got the Runs podcast. We're your hosts, Letty and Angela, and we invite you to join us as we chat about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make running a favorite part of your life. Hey, runners. Hey, runners. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode with Letty and Angela. Angela, how are you doing? I am doing well. What about you, Letty? How are you? How was your week of running? My week of running was pretty good. Hopefully, I'll hit that 50-mile mark um, tomorrow. What about you? How was your run? 50 miles. That's awesome. Uh, my week was uh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I have increased my mileage recently in the past few weeks, and I think my legs are starting to feel it. Um, I have some running related injuries going on. Not quite sure exactly what it is, but I think I'm going to have to take the next week off. Rest and ice can be a good help for you, especially because you have big goals, right? Yes, definitely big goals. So I'm planning to hopefully PR in the half, the end of this year, probably beginning of next year, but looking to the future, hoping to one day qualify and run Boston. Boston, the mecca of the running. Um, what makes you want to do Boston? So many things. So I would say my biggest interest with Boston is because I, I did one semester of school in Boston and just knowing the area and, and being familiar with all of that. But I would say, that, you know, that's my specific personal reason, but I'd say there's so many reasons why people want to run Boston and, you know, why it has become so important. But for one thing, with Boston, it's not a race that you can just sign up and run. It's a race that you need to qualify for. It's a race that there's a lot of pride associated with it. It's almost like a medal of honor, right? You would agree. I completely agree. I feel like Boston is this you know, giant that we're all trying to conquer. And then once you get to run it, it's kind of like your victory lap. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, it, I know that there's the jacket associated, right? Where if you get the, you run the race and you get the jacket, it's, you know, this big deal to be able to wear that jacket. Yeah. And every runner recognizes that jacket and you kind of feel cool in it. Not that I've worn mine. Yeah, so you did qualify, right? I qualified, but I didn't get to run Boston because um, COVID happened. And so mm. now we're waiting for, um, you know, next year, I guess, entering to qualify for next year. Yeah, I'm sure you, a lot of runners can relate to that. Yeah, but I mean, I think the main thing is to, you know, when you do qualify for Boston, whatever race you do, a lot of the races have this big gong that you can hit and take a picture or ring a bell and it's the Boston Bell. So I think getting there, the journey is, um, you already feel great. Now we just can't wait to run this, um, you know, prestigious race. I didn't even realize that. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. But prestigious, you're, you're spot on there. So a little bit of history on the Boston Marathon is it, it is actually the oldest marathon outside of the Greece 1896 Olympic Games. It started in the spring of, eight, of 1987 with only 18 people. Wow. 
It was founded by the Boston Athletic Association, which continues to run it today, the BAA, and they found a course to mimic the original course in Greece. So the, the course in Boston is mimicking the original course in Greece. That's awesome. I mean, 1886 is a long time. 1887 is a long time ago. And 18 people, I mean, that must have been a completely different race experience with no street closures or anything compared to now. Yeah, and all the cheering sections. Yeah. Post-race swag. Imagine. <laughs> there was probably nothing to enter that race, probably like a dollar. Yeah, right? It's so cool how it's transformed. Yeah, and then another thing that's a very historic, makes it very historic is that... Um, Weren't there two women, or the first woman that entered it um, was running it without a bib? Yes. So she, Roberta Gibb, she ran the race without an official number. She was the first woman. And then we have, of course, Catherine Switzer was the first official woman to run the Boston Marathon in 1967. I believe she signed up with just her initials. Wow. And that's what got her into the race. Mm -hmm. And then the race director eventually realized that there was a woman running on the course and tried to get her off the course, I believe. Yeah, there's pictures of that in the internet. You're right. That is really cool. Yeah. So a couple other facts is that in 1972, women were then officially allowed to run the race, so not too long after Catherine Switzer. And in 1975, it was the first marathon to have a wheelchair race. Oh, wow. I mean, that's good. A lot of races now have that, and very much so should. Yeah, very cool. Also, in 2013, there was the Boston bombing, if you remember that. I do. Yeah, so that's another historic event that happened in Boston. And we have a few recent American winners of the race. So we have Meb won it in 2014, and Des Linden won it in 2018. That's right. I remember that 2018 was that super rainy year. Oh, wow. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that storm was terrible. I was in New Jersey then, and I, I remember that storm because we got hit there too. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Can't imagine running through that and winning it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty cool. So another cool thing about Boston is that it's one of six major marathons. That's right. So if you go to um, the Abbott Marathon Majors, you can actually sign up and you can start collecting um, your marathon times. And once you've completed all six of them, you get a giant medal. So I think that's what makes Boston another bucket list marathon for people. That is so cool. And now do all six need to be run in the same year or it doesn't matter? No, it does not matter. You just kind of collect them and over time um, get that. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a few facts about Boston. Anything else you want to add or that you're familiar with relating to the Boston Marathon? Well, from what I hear or, you know, from what I know is everybody that goes to Boston just absolutely loves the atmosphere surrounding the marathon. They say that you get treated like rock stars and um, there's about 500,000 spectators, if that could be right. I'm assuming it might be even more than that. And it's just, um, you know, I'm assuming having so many spectators and people traveling there just makes it feel like what they call it, the Mecca for runners, where you go there and you feel really great about yourself and, you know, the race marathon weekend hype, just having so many people there is so inclusive, that makes you yeah. feel even better about running it. 
Definitely. And and being around surrounded by so many people who are so passionate about running. Yes. You know, to do all that work to get out there to qualify and be able to participate in that race. That's got to be awesome. Yeah, it's got to be awesome. I can't wait to hopefully experience it um, next April. Very cool. Yeah, definitely something to look forward to. I'll take you with me so we can podcast about it. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. That will be fun. So, and if anyone is interested in qualifying for Boston, there is a really great Facebook group called the Boston Buddies, where they share a lot of insight about the Boston Marathon, about their workouts, about all that great running-related information that people are able to join, and that can kind of get them motivated and inspired and on the right track. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today, we're actually going to play an interview with the founder of the Boston Buddies. He's a busy individual because he has 10,000 plus members in his Facebook group. He's also a published author of the book Boston Buddies and just a very inspiring person. We thought it was time to shine some light on him. So right now, we're going to play you the interview with Vince Varello. Hi, Vince, and welcome and thank you for joining our podcast today. Hi, Letty. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, so you're the founder of the Boston Buddies, and since you've been doing an amazing job, we just wanted to let you know that Angela and I decided to do a series and interviews of uh, runners that inspire us. And the Boston Buddy group came to our mind, and when we kind of researched the group, the longer we became familiar with it, we figured out that you're the brains behind this operation. And it's just, you know, a really welcoming and inclusive group. During the Corona time, you took the time to host a bunch of Zoom meetings with all these elite athletes and runners and, um, you know, that otherwise we wouldn't have had access to. And then you organize 5K competitions, you get group rates for hotel stays in Boston, and now you're even doing a relay across the United States. So you're kind of, you know, the Superman behind all this. And we Googled you and found out that you also wrote a book on running. So with all that said, put the spotlight on you and, um, you know, maybe ask you a few questions. And, you know, maybe you can start by telling us about yourself, where you're from, and how you got started running. Sure, sure. That's a... uh... It's a great introduction, and it's a lot to live up to. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> um, so I actually live just outside of Philadelphia in a town called Fort Washington. Um, it's very surprising. I think a lot of people think I'm, I'm based in Boston because I started a Boston Marathon training group. But uh, I actually live just outside of Philly, like I said, and I started running about 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years ago last May, actually, is when I started running. And oh, wow. Yeah, it was, um, the, they have a run here called the Broad Street Run, which is a 10-mile run. You run on one road straight down from North Philadelphia to South Philadelphia, 10 miles straight. The only thing you do is turn around the city hall, which there's three turns, and that's it. So nice. it's, uh, it's kind of like a rite of passage in Philadelphia. If you, live, if you live in Philly or in the suburbs of Philly, you have to run the Broad Street Run at least once. So... 
I actually was, uh, it was back in 2009, I guess is when I started like thinking about this and I was going through a divorce and like a lot of divorce, divorcees or people going through divorce, they need some sort of outlet, keep the, keep them mentally sane. So uh, <laughs> I actually started a, a, a weight competition at work and we timed the weight competition to end on the day of the Broad Street run. So there was about 20 of us that signed up for this weight competition and two of us ran the race. <laughs> so only two of us made it through. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And that was a 10K, you said? It was, it's a 10 mile race, actually. 10 miles. That was my first race ever was 10 miles. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I actually did pretty good. Like I was shooting for like a, about a 120, you know, like a eight minute pace or so. And I ended up running like 116 or 117, something like that. And I didn't, I really didn't know what that meant. And people were like, oh, wow, that was pretty good. You know, you're pretty good at running. And they said, you know, you might, one of the guys I worked with was running Boston that year. And he's like, you got to go and try and, and run Boston. He's like, there's nothing like it, but you have to qualify. You have to run a marathon first. So I was like, okay, that doesn't sound like it would be that much fun. So I never, I didn't really think about it. Um, and then the guy that I actually ran the Broad Street run with, he wanted to do a half marathon because we both did 10 miles. We're like, all right, we can at least do another half. So we, we decided we'd do the Philly half in November. So Broad Street was May. We had another six months to train to run that extra three miles, 3.1 miles. So we figured we could do it. And then uh, we, ran, we ran together. We ran the Philly half marathon that year. And I think I ran like a 142 or something like that. And that's when I was like, ah, that's when I really got the bug. I was like, if I could do a half, I could do a full. And I just kind of started training. I didn't have a coach. Didn't really know anything about running. Didn't read a book on it. I just started running. <laughs> kind of just like uh, Forrest Gump. I just started running. I would go to the gym and I would just try and run eight miles in an hour. That was my goal. Just run eight miles in an hour. Um, and I think the most I ran was 16 miles once before I ran my first marathon. And then my, to qualify back then, I was 37. So I needed to run a 315. So that's about a 724 pace or so. So I ran the Pocono Marathon in May. And luckily enough, I was... Uh, my sister came up and my nieces came up and they're, they're runners in high school and stuff. So they, they were cheering me on. And about halfway through, my sister joined up with me and ran a little bit of it with me. Then she passed me off to uh, her niece and her niece actually uh, ran a lot of the later miles with me. And she actually kept me going. She was pushing me and pushing me. She could tell I was struggling near the end. And um, she, the way that the course works is you actually run, towards the school and then there's a track you have to run around the track um and that's how you cross the finish line so my niece ran me all the way to the track and then she peeled off and said here you've got it and i actually qualified with um 34 seconds to spare 15 26 or 3 14 27 something like that and that was your very first marathon my very first marathon yeah you know what's funny is that you set out to do your first marathon knowing or you know knowing about Boston and actually trying to qualify for Boston a lot of us just try to finish that first marathon <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had I got the bug from the guy that I worked with he, he ran it and he just he just made it out to be so great and once I ran that half I was like all right you know I, I needed a goal 
Um, and it gave me something to focus on, you know, especially going through the divorce and all that stuff, gave me something else to focus on. And it really helped me cope. I qualified in 2010, but didn't run until 2011. Oh, okay. So you, I think back then, or is it still now that you can use that qualifying time for a two-year window? No, no, that I qualified in May. So it was only good, you know, registration started in September and then you would, you ran the following April. That first year that I ran was actually the year that the registration got all screwed up and a lot of people were uh, not able to get through. Luckily, I had an office job and I was able to uh, get, as soon as registration opened, I was able to jump in there and, and get my uh, registration. So 2011 was was my first year and I've actually, this, this year will be my 10th in a row. I've run it every year since. Wow. So obviously you like the Boston Marathon. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what it is about the Boston Marathon for us that, you know, have never done it before and especially what makes it special for you? So you haven't done it yet? I actually be cute in 2018 and this was supposed to be my first one. <laughs> oh, oh, you, you uh, well, hopefully you get, you, you can get in next year as well. I mean, I have about 17 minutes of extra time, so I think I'll, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get in. You'll definitely get in. The, vir the virtual will be nice because it's kind of historic and like nobody's ever done a virtual Boston Marathon, so we can say we were part of history. But the actual race itself was like nothing. You, it's really hard to describe. You kind of have to experience it because you, you are treated like a rock star when you're in town. Like I've never seen a city embrace the runners of a marathon for the entire weekend. From the, the minute you go to the expo, and, you know, and you pick up your bag and then you walk around town with your bag and there's the, the, just the regular old citizens all walk around and say, good luck tomorrow or good luck at the race. So glad you're here. That kind of stuff. The city, this, the people of the city of Boston just embrace the marathon like no other city I've been to. I, and I've run like 35, 36 marathons now. And there's still just no city embraces you like that city. Okay, so so for you, it's um, basically the atmosphere and, you know, that whole weekend all in all, kind of like a victory lap. It's a victory lap. You know, obviously there's some prestige in running Boston because like, you, you have to qualify. It's like it's the only other marathon besides the Olympics that you have to qualify for. Um, so th there's obviously some prestige. So the runners that are there are, are really good runners. You know, uh, there's there's awesome runners like I, like on race day you go to athletes village which is basically um a place where only the runners can go to it's at the hopkinton um, uh, high school and everybody that's running is sitting in the field there's no there's nobody else there there's no family there's nobody else that's allowed in so that experience itself is different like you're just hanging out you're hearing all the different stories of the people and how they qualified and how they got there um you know they're playing music they have food, they've got uh, Gatorade, they've got water, they've got, they've got everything that you could possibly want at the start of a race. And, you know, everybody, everybody's entitled to it. Like you get there and they just treat you like, like a king or a queen, it's, which is, which is very different than most marathons. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So like, at, like the athlete's village experience is, is not like anything you, you find in other races um you know the the course itself is historic it's a tough course very tough course you know first first year runners just like myself you know i it's a tough course to to, to do the first year like it's very easy to go out super fast the first 16 miles are almost all downhill 
And if you go out way too fast on those first 16, your quads are going to be shot. And by the time you start going uphill in Newton, those, those, five, those five miles of hills in Newton, by the time you get to the top of Heartbreak Hill, you, you, could, you could be out of luck. You, you really, like when you run the race, somehow you got to figure out how to make it to the top of Heartbreak Hill and, and have some energy left in those legs so you can finish strong. Um, wow. It, it sounds pretty tough from what I read too, especially because you have that excitement, just like you said, of going downhill at first. Yeah, that's, well, my first year, I like, like a lot of people, I went out way too fast. And by mile 14, I was walking. And like, I would, I would walk when I get to the water stops, you know, you know, just as I was walk, drinking the water. And then every water stop, the walk got longer and longer. And then it was somewhere, it was somewhere um, past heartbreak where I was walking longer distances. And some, some fan out of the crowd, some woman that I had no idea who she was, I would love to meet her someday. Um, she hopped out of the crowd and, and jumped next to me and was like, you were in Boston, you didn't come here to walk. You came here to run, you earned your spot. And she's like, come on, I'm gonna run with you. And she starts jogging and I <laughs> kind of didn't have a choice. I was like, I guess I gotta start jogging because <laughs> this person's here. And she, she was jogging with me. She's encouraging me to go. And she's probably with me for about a quarter of a mile. And she's like, you've got it now. You, you've got this, keep on going. And then she just kind of went back into the crowd and disappeared. And, and then I kept going and that was, that was it. And I just remember thinking like that, that doesn't happen to a normal marathons. And I mean, it's just a different experience. I was like, I, I gotta come back every year just to pay it back to the fans that come out here. Was she even wearing running clothes? No, she was, she was in shorts. She was in like regular clothes, yeah. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's amazing. You know, the, the vibe is probably one of the hardest things for everybody right now that you don't have a race, you don't have spectators and to push yourself out of the door to run in a virtual event makes it extra hard to just do by yourself and not having that crowd there. Yeah, that's just it. Like um, the crowd really makes a difference because you go through all the little towns to, through the course and they're, they're all, they all have their different personalities and stuff. Um, you know, obviously you've got, you know, Wellesley where Wellesley College is, that's about the halfway point. And you know, you've got the famous scream tunnel and that's where all the, the college girls are out screaming and you literally can hear it a mile away it sounds like a train and you just hear these loud screams the whole time and then you get there and it's like you can't even think it's so loud and the girls are out there they've all got signs like wherever they're from you know like kiss me i'm from philly kiss me i'm from texas or something like that so it's like they're all out there with signs and you just see all the runners Laugh, you know, they're laughing, you know, a lot of them stop and kiss the girls, the girls and guys will stop and kiss the girls, and um, that, that part of the course, it, like, you don't see that anywhere else, like Wellesley is, is just an awesome, awesome experience, and it's something, you know, I hope you get the experience in April, you, you, you'll love it. Oh, yeah, I can't wait, uh, yeah, definitely, I'm sure that makes everybody's finishing time a little bit slower, just knowing that there's so many different things that you might want to stop for. Of course, yeah. Well, yeah, the story in 2014, uh, my goal in 2014, that was the comeback year. You know, they had the, obviously the bombings for 2013. So yes. 2014 was a pretty special year and everybody, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to make it my best yet. I wanted to PR. I'd never broken three hours. So that was my goal. 
and I was I was on a pace. I was like clockwork those first 13 miles before I got to Wellesley, and I was like six. 642, 643, 642, almost every single mile. And then I got the Wellesley and I was goofing around with the girls. And uh and my splits were like uh like 10 seconds, 10 seconds longer that that mile. And then I got back to my regular pace. And I was slowing down near the end. And I I was, you know, coming down Boylston Street and I was like running as fast as I could to try and get to the uh the finish line. And I crossed the finish line in three hours and seven seconds. And I will, oh, I will always blame it on Wellesley because that cost me 10 seconds. <laughs> that is hilarious. Wow, <laughs> must be super frustrating at the same time. It was, I didn't know what to do because it, it still was a PR for me, but it wasn't my goal. So, and it was like, it was such a momentous like, day. It was such a momentous run because it was the comeback year and Med won that year and it was just like, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, should I laugh or should I cry? Like, what should I do here? Oh my gosh. I would have probably done a little bit of both if it were that fast. But you've done, <laughs> done faster than that, right? You're, uh, what is your PR currently? Uh, my PR actually just happened this year in Dublin. Um, I ran the Dublin Marathon last October in 258.19. I was actually, that was the only time I ever broke three was this year. Like, other than that, that Boston was my PR until this year. I had been trying to get back to the three hour mark, under three hours um, for six years. And it finally, it finally clicked this year. Congratulations, what pace is that? Um, it was about, a, I think it's like a 646 or so, 647. That, that's really fast. Um, are you still doing your own training or did you end up getting a trainer or how, how did you bring your time down so fast? No, I, uh, I hired a coach. This was the first year I ever had a coach, and I have to attribute my success to her. Um, <coughs> her name's Karen Dunn. She's actually one of the Boston buddies. Um, she's local to the Philly area, so I met her. I actually met her last year, and just as friends. Like we, there was a group of us that would go out every Sunday, or every Saturday or Sunday, at 5 in the morning and run Valley Forge Park, which is just outside of Philadelphia. So she would always be there. And she's an awesome runner. Like she, she qualified for the Olympic trials. She just ran the trials in March. Um, so I got friendly with her, and, and you know she's just such a great person, great personality. And I was like, I, I need help. I need somebody to get me over this hump of the three-hour, the three-hour marathon. And um, she changed up my training. She, she, uh, she had me doing my longer runs at faster speeds. She had me doing um, a lot of threshold workouts. And, and she really focused in on my nutrition, which I thought made a huge difference. I never really thought about nutrition during the running a marathon, but she did a great job of just like coaching me and giving me great advice. And um, she like, I 100% owe everything of my success to her. That's awesome. So speaking of, you know, things that inspire you, then you ended up eventually starting the Boston Buddy Run Club. Can you tell us why you started it and how that all happened? Sure. I started it in 2016, November of 2016. Um, I actually was, was not doing great. Not that I wasn't doing great, but I, my running had slowed down a lot. I had I had gotten remarried in 2013, and we had a baby in 2015, so that was taking a lot of time. 
and my my running was suffering because of that. So that November, I was starting. I wanted to get ready to train, and was looking for some motivation. So I just posted on the Boston Marathon page, "Hey, is anybody looking to train and maybe do it virtually together?" And four or three people replied back right away. They're like, "Yeah, sure, I would love to." You know, like the people are training by themselves. So I was like, "All right, I'll just start a group on Facebook." And it was just the four of us. It was um, Rob Freed. It was um, um, Ron Joseph, and it was Dwayne Watts. So it was just the four of us. And then we just kind of invited our friends and, and it kind of just grew from there. I, I really didn't expect it to be 11,000 members like it is today. It just kind of took off like wildfire. Obviously it has something to do with the way that you are currently running it because as I mentioned earlier, you do a lot of things for, um, that are inviting to people, you know, I don't, I have never seen another Facebook group that you enter and then somebody sends out a shout out to everybody that's new and, you know, hosts 5Ks and does all sorts of stuff. So how do you manage to fit all that in your schedule? Because I know you have a job and you mentioned you have a family too. Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm not by myself. Like Michael Young is a co-admin. David Scott has was an admin there for a little while. Um, so they help with like moderating things and just keeping things active. But honestly, I, I don't like the content and like the, the people of the page is what really makes it great. Like it's, we've got so many great members. You know, uh, Marty Clark, he's another, he keeps everybody inspired. He's been there since almost the beginning. Tim Moley, obviously, is another member who's been there for a long time. All these, all these guys and girls, Emily Morley, you know, they, they, they post a lot and, you know, they, they, um, they're inspiring. You know, Emily Morley, she did the same thing. She just broke three hours for the first time this year. So a lot of people followed her training. I don't know that it's me. I think it's, it's the members and, and, like, just this sense of community. Everybody's trying to help each other out and trying to, like, root each other on and, we all have that same goal. There's not many groups where we actually have the same goal every year um, to, to, to try and attain. So we all have something in common, which I think helps. Yes, definitely. I mean, especially when you're training for something, you know, like Boston, or as you mentioned earlier, when you want to train for Boston, I like that this group is inclusive of everybody, even if you have not qualified yet. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to try, you don't have to qualify and, and you know, it's, it's for people that are training or trying to qualify, but over the years, you know, the group's taken a different dynamic. It's more, it's more inspiration. There's plenty of people in the group that say that they, or they think they'll never qualify, but they just, they, they stay in there and they watch and they post and, you know, we're more than, we're more than happy to, to have anybody that enjoys the sport come and, uh, and participate. We really encourage you to participate. And the charity runners too. Charity runners, we encourage all the charity runners to join our group. Uh, we do all sorts of goofy contests to try and raise money for them. Um, each year, for the past three years, we've actually gotten a bib from um, a nonprofit in Newton that is called The Second Step. They actually help victims or survivors of domestic violence. So they give us a bib each year and we raise money for them. And um, so, so we sell shirts and, um, you know, we had a, we did a virtual run this year and all the, all the proceeds went to the runner that got that bib. So we, we definitely encourage the charity runners to join us. We have, we sponsor one, but then we also like 
help the other runners um, raise money for their charity because we let them post on Wednesdays. We have Charity Wednesday where they can post a video about their charity. And a lot of times, you know, it'll it'll touch somebody. Eleven thousand members. You know, if you're if you're raising money for cancer or something, there's somebody in the group that's going to be connected to that, and normally will will help out the other runners. So uh, I think that's another thing that makes us a little different is we we welcome the charity runners. Um, it's always been something that like we encourage, and you know, we're all just trying to help each other out. We're all we're all on this earth for a short amount of time. There's no point, in, in, you know, we're trying to just help each other. There's no point in in um, you know being picky about who, who we want to let in and who we don't want to let in. Exactly. Yeah, I like that a lot. And then you motivate each other by having those posts and then um, other projects such like uh, the Race Across America. Is that what it's called? The relay that you're currently <clears throat> trying to work? Yes, we are doing a the Great American Relay. So, yeah, it's on greatamericanrelay.com if you want to go sign up. But, yeah, it is a real race. This kind of came about because obviously everything is virtual right now. So uh, I came up with this idea because A, we can do it because, you know, there's not going to be 10,000 people doing it. There'll only be a couple doing the relay at a time. Um, we're starting in Boston and we're going about 3,400 miles, 10 miles at a time. So every, if we have 379 legs, some of them are five miles, some of them are 15 miles, but, um, the average is about 10 miles. And we're running from Boston to, to Santa Monica, California. Uh, we're gonna cross all three of the finish lines of the major marathons in the US. So we start at the Boston Marathon finish line. We'll go down to New York, cross the uh, New York Marathon finish line in Central Park. Then we head down to Philly, and um, we'll actually cross the finish line of the Philly Marathon. And, and then at the uh, Rocky statue, the art museum, actually Gene Dykes is doing that leg. He's going to start taking the baton and heading west towards Pittsburgh. We go to Pittsburgh, then we head north to Cleveland and head over to Chicago. In Chicago, again, we're going through the, um, the finish line in Chicago. And then we start heading south to Indianapolis, then over to St. Louis, down to Oklahoma City, then across to Albuquerque, Phoenix, and Santa Monica. As easy as that. <laughs> How do you do it with the timing? Is it just that if you sign up for one leg, you have to do it at a certain time on a certain day, or do you actually have to physically meet your previous runner to hand you off something? Yeah, there's a start and end point for every leg. So we start every morning at 6 a.m. And the website lists, like on every single leg, it lists the, the date and time that you approximately need to be there. Um, so the, the legs, like I said, we just averaged like 10 minute miles or so. So the people will be off. Some will be faster, some will be slower. And there'll be, there'll be a support RV the whole way. So that, that'll be guiding the runners. Um, and we finish every day around nine o'clock. So it's like, if we're off, you know, it'll, it restarts every day at nine o'clock. So like every day it's maybe 12 or 13 legs or so. Um, the first runner will get the baton, and then they run and meet the, the next runner at the designated starting point, hand them the baton, and then and they, they keep going. So it's, um, you know, it's it, when you sign up, it, it gives you an approximate, it, it, it's definitely the right day, but it gives you an approximate time of when your leg would start. Sounds awesome. Sounds like it would be so much fun to join in. Yeah, and actually, I actually did one of these back in 2013 called the One Run for Boston. So after the Boston Marathon bombings that year, there were these three 
individuals from the UK who had never been to the United States that thought it would be a good idea to do a run, a relay run just like this across the country. They did it the other way. They, they went from California to Boston. They wanted to finish in Boston. And they, uh, they never were in this country before. Somehow they figured out this route uh, or, or a route across the country and they created some website and people signed up for it just organically. And it was a tremendous success. They, they actually did it twice, believe it or not. And they raised about a half a million dollars for the, for the one run for Boston. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, this run is actually for the, um, like we, there was a charity component. So we're, we're raising money for the American Association for Cancer Research. They are uh, based here out of Philadelphia, actually, but they're all over the world. They're an organization that is dedicated to finding cures for cancer. And they're the largest organization that's actually um, designed specifically to, to find cures for cancer. They are the main sponsor of the Philly Marathon as well. So that's, uh, I have a relationship with them since I'm from Philly. And, um, you know, we, we're doing this as a way to help raise funds for the American Association for Cancer Research. So if we can't run but want to contribute, can you tell us um, where to go for that? Sure. If you go to greatamericanrelay.com, you'll see there's on the homepage, there's a um, little thermometer there and you can just um, donate um, on, on the homepage there. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was actually, uh, I found out that you wrote a book and I would like to hear about this book and where I can find this book. Sure, sure. The, the book is obviously it's called Boston Buddies <laughs> and to the Boston Buddies Run Club. Um, this, the idea, again, this came from the group. It was like a group idea after the 2018 marathon, um, the, the, the group wanted to tell people their stories. So 2018 was the year where it was a monsoon. It was like a couple degrees above freezing at the start. And there was about a 20 mile per hour headwind almost the entire way. And it rained, about two inches of rain fell during the race. So it was just absolutely horrific conditions. Um, but what people, like just from knowing the people on the page and, you know, they all, we all training together, people had gone through a, a heck of a lot more trying to get to that start line that then what actually happened on the marathon day, you know, the, the, yeah. book, the book starts out with um, Lori Riggle's story who uh, two years prior, she had been hit by a truck on her training run and was in a coma and was told she'd never run again. And she was determined to get back to Boston and she ended up qualifying and she ran Boston in 2018. So, you know, you might think running that marathon in that weather was tough, but really the stories are, you know, about getting to that start line and what people have overcome to get to the start line. There's so many good stories, so many interesting stories. Even the, the race director, Dave McGilvery, he, he gave me his story about that day and what it was like trying to like, weather the storm, literally, um, being the race director. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure and, you know, who knows, who knows what could go wrong. And, um, they, you know, his main goal is people's safety. Um, so you get his perspective. Catherine Switzer's story is in there. So she, she, uh, she had a team that runs for her 261 Fearless Foundation that ran it that year. And she, she, she had her story. And a couple of the runners, her runners, gave us uh, their story as well. But then there was, there's just so many others. There's a story, Marty Clark again, he, um, 
he actually, during the race, uh, in the middle of the race, one of the other members who had never met Marty, Marty never met her, was disoriented. Like she was going through hypothermia, but she was still trying to run. And she, she was really disoriented. She was swaying back and forth, side to side, and really completely out of it. And Marty Clark was running his race, and he actually, he recognized her from the tattoos on her body, from the, the videos that she had posted on our page. And wow. Yeah. So he, he, he recognized her and he called out her name and, and she was like, yes, that's me. And she's like, Marty, he's like, I don't know who you are, but I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you go. And he, he basically, you know, picked her up, got her, got her to an aid station, stayed with her for a little bit. And then, um, you know, made sure she was all right, made sure she was in the, in capable hands that the medical personnel had come over to get her. And then he went on his merry way and um, he still ended up BQing that day, believe it or not, even though he took a ton of time just to, to sacrifice his time and, and helped, helped Mandy, Mandy Becker was the girl. Um, he helped her to the side and, you know, you hear, you hear both of their stories. It was really neat interviewing both of them. I interviewed them separately and it was neat to hear different sides of the story. And both of them, both of them are still great friends today. They, they bonded for life that day. It's a really amazing story. That really sounds like it. What a nice guy. I mean, you know, you can tell, I mean, I've seen him plenty of times also on the group and, you know, with the sit-up challenge or push-up yeah. challenge, encouraging everybody. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's not me. It's the, the members of the group are just tremendous. They really, the, the people in this group are, are like nothing other. We've got this 5K tournament of champions going right now. We've got a guy pushing a stroller with his two kids and he's running 15 and a half minute 5Ks. And he's got two, two kids in a stroller. <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. He's going up against Michael Wardian. Michael Wardian's in the group, so the two of them are in the in the uh, semifinals, uh, going head to head. And we've got uh, Carol Sexton, who's uh, sixty three years old, and she's running the equivalent pace of a sub fourteen five five k. Holy cow! Yeah, I mean, blazing fast. This group amazes me with what they do, or if it's not, you know, it doesn't need to be that you run fast. Just the encouraging words that they share about their own journeys. Mm -hmm. What I've noticed is the, the 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 runners, the successful runners, are the ones that kind of block out all the distractions or don't pay mind to all the distractions in the world. You know, there's it, you can't control what goes on around you. You can only control how you react to it. And you know what, there, there's going to be bad stuff that happens to everybody in their life. But if you, if you've got a goal and you set your mind to it and you just kind of let things roll off your back and get out there and run what you're supposed to run every day, you'll be successful. And that's what I've seen. I've seen a lot of other people, they're, they're really great runners and people think that, uh, you know, it's, it comes easy to them, but they've had a lot of tragedies in their life. Like a lot of people private message me and tell me what's going on in their life. And they, uh, you know, they, they, they figure out a way to kind of let it roll off their back and just be like, Hey, this is part of life. This is, this is the cross I got to bear today. And, you know, they'll get through it. And those are the ones that, that succeed. You know, they just never, ever give up. It's like Jimmy Valvano, Jim Valvano, never, ever give up. That's very true. Yeah. I mean, can't, I couldn't have said it any better. So thank you so much for um, sharing all this with us. 
Sure, sure. I, I love it. I love having you as a member of the group too. You guys are great. You've got your own little team there, right? Uh, Coach. Yeah, Tab's there. And then we have, um, you know, maybe four or five people. I, I don't even know how it happened. Suddenly I was in this group. So I sent it to all my friends in Florida and California, actually both. And now I see all my friends commenting on everything all the time and participating in challenges. So it's just super awesome. And creeds just, you know, everybody that is already there and is happy about it invites more people that think alike. And it's just a bunch of happy runners. That's what it is. It's, it's a lot of happy runners. And then believe it or not, like um, it, it's usually a lot busier. And, you know, it's kind of a, a lull right now just because the marathon isn't truly happening. Um, it, it, last year, the, the traffic on the page during the week of the marathon, tri it triples. Um, and, and it's just people posting pictures of them smiling, running the race, the, the, the day of the race, the, day, the few days after the race, it's, it's just thousands of pictures of race day. And it's, you know, we're all kind of marathon geeks and Boston geeks, so we all love it. <laughs> so it's, it's great. You're gonna love it. Like next year, next April when you run, it's gonna be something like you've never experienced before. Oh yeah, I can't wait to see all that. I mean, most of my friends already bought all the singlets and the long sleeve shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can always get the blue. Wear the blue. That's our that's our slogan. Wear the blue. But hashtag we run as one. Hashtag we run as one. That is Marty Clark came up with that. So that's that's kind of like what we say to each other. We run as one. Like whether you're, you know, a, a 15 minute miler or a six minute miler. Hey, it doesn't matter as long as you're out there. We we all run as one. A lot of people, you know, look at look on the page and they ask if they're allowed to be on there, and we always respond with "We run as one." Every everybody that wants to run is belongs on the page. Right. No, it's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. then the, the blue singlets out there. So, a it raises money for charity, but there's so many of us now. It when marathons were happening, you couldn't go to a marathon without finding a few of us, and we would wear the blue the blue singlets to recognize each other on the course and it's just it, it picks you up when you're out there on the course and see somebody in the blue singlet and they're like hey you're a boston buddy and uh you know a lot of times people start chatting and they become friends they become friends for life it's it's really been amazing to see the friendships that have formed from this group yeah i mean i feel like that's taken over i know that there's other group um called the marathon maniacs and they have that same thing on where you recognize each other with a shirt actually yeah tony from the uh, he's one of he was marathon maniac number three one of the founders he's in our group he's a very nice guy um marathon maniacs is a great group um they do they do um events and stuff like that as well but um that's just it we're, we welcome everybody. I don't care if we advertise other groups or whatever. It's like we're just we're out there to grow the sport and just have fun. Exactly, exactly. Well, Vince, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we were really happy to have you on here. And hopefully, you know, in the future, we can come to you with more of our questions since you seem to know a lot more about organizing and race strategy and all kinds of stuff. Sure, I'm, I'm happy. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully, hopefully I'll get to see you out there on the Great American Relay. You can join us. <laughs> I, I will definitely look into it. I mean, I live in Florida, so too bad you guys don't come south first, but maybe something can be done. <laughs> I, would, I, mean, I mean, this just sounds like something that would absolutely up my alley. Yes, come out for the end for the, in California and just fly out for the party. You don't even have to run. <laughs> that sounds even better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, thank you, Vince. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Wow, Letty, that was an awesome interview. Vince is incredibly inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. I'm hoping that all of those wonderful motivational things that he shared can hopefully inspire some of our runners maybe to run their first race, to run their first marathon, or even qualify for Boston. Absolutely. I think everybody should have Boston on their bucket list and, um, you know, among other races. And, you know, that leads us to our next week podcast, a little preview. We will do an episode on races that should be on your bucket list. So if you want to send us an email, let us know what's on your bucket list. And if you want to subscribe to our podcast so you get notifications when it's airing, just hit the subscribe button. Yeah, look out for that. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great week of running. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast and you can also like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Our account you can find under WGTR Podcast. Thanks and have a great week of running.